Good morning, everyone. I love uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, it, it hits a couple of passions of mine. Um, one passion is that the body of Christ would be a fully healthy body where every part does its work in love, building, its, building itself up. Um, and this is a passage that can encourage you to play a part in that. Uh, it talks to another passion of mine, which is that I hate denominations. Um, I don't think denominations are God's idea. Um, I think they're the evidence of a sinful humanity that um, likes splits and divisions and I'm right, you're wrong. Um, some would argue that denominations have been a source of God's grace in that it's prevented some massive overriding church from persecuting um, smaller groups, but I see it as primarily a um, evidence of sinfulness in the body of Christ. And if I look at John 17 and Jesus' prayer, uh, he prays that all the believers would be one, just as he and the Father are one. Can't get any more one than that. So I love 1 Corinthians 12. We'll use it as a base. Um, we're not going to go verse by verse. Um, but I've got three questions for you um, to start you off. First question, if the whole body was just like me, would it be a healthy body or a weak body? You're shaking your head, Elaine. Very weak, terribly weak. Um, God's given me certain gifts, certain strengths, certain weaknesses. If the whole body would, would be were just like me, it would be an absolute disaster. I can assure you of that. Um, we need each other in the body of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12 makes that clear. Second question. I'll start with the easy one and then a hard one. Easy question, I think. Um, what do you think are some of the strengths of the Brethren Church. Um, our denomination is um, Open Brethren or Christian Community Churches of Australia. What are some of the strengths? Maybe talk to your neighbour. I just want a couple of ideas. What are some things we do well? What are some of our distinctives? Quick word to your neighbour. Shrugs. I'm seeing some shrugs from Colleen. Remember, this is the easy question. Never hurt, never be afraid of a bit of uh, self-examination. Communion, regular communion. I, I agree, I think that's a strength. Um, Jesus said as often as you do it. Could we do it more often? We certainly could. Emphasis on lay people. That's one I wanted to come out. Thank you. Priesthood of all believers. Related point. Um, interestingly enough, we'll hold those points in the back of your mind. I think there's some good starting points. The, the harder question, what are some things we don't do well? What are some things that if you're an outsider looking in or you're an aware insider, honest before God, saying um, what are some things that we don't do particularly well? What would your answer be to that? You won't offend me, don't worry. Anyone got any ideas? Outreach, evangelism. I don't think it's an overwhelming strength. I'd agree with that, Jim. Not always caring well for hurt 
Yep. We, um, our, so, our social justice and mercy side of things hasn't always been strong, has it? I was reading yesterday about George Mueller um, with his 10,000 orphans, one of the founders of the Brethren Movement. Certainly not the case with him, was it? Yep. And some of those weaknesses you could you could encounter sorry encounter ministry. encounter ministry. Yeah, so perhaps frontline. Um, well, that's the Western Church, isn't it? So postmodern, everything has a scientific explanation. So demon possession—that sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? So, um, a couple of ideas I have. Um, I think the Brethren movement could be accused of um, being a movement that holds on to tradition, um, a movement that's a bit reserved a bit too serious at times, um, that doesn't focus enough on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're doing this series in John, um, John 14 through 16. We've been looking at what life as an obedient disciple of Christ looks like. Uh, But we wanted to take some time to think a bit more about the Holy Spirit, to have a focus on and I want the focus to be practically uh, how does the Holy Spirit want to work amongst us. One of my privileges in life um, has been to see a lot of the church. Um, I've been to maybe 60 churches in Melbourne. Um, I've been churches in refugee camps, churches in the Middle East where there was 60 people and 50 different nationalities. Um, small Pentecostal fellowships on the edge of a slum in Uganda. I spent six months there. Um, in Melbourne, I've been to the largest Pentecostal, Anglican, Baptist, um, you name it, churches. And what that's done, and I think it's a real blessing, and I'm humbled by the opportunity to have it, um, is that it's helped me see that God is a big God. Um, I grew up the son of, a pres- uh, son of a brethren father and the son of a brethren mother, when I first came out of Melbourne, I think I had blinkers on about, um, you know, the brethren is the way. Um, I still love some of the strengths of the brethren. Um, I love that I don't have to wear a little white collar here and I can still speak what God's laid on my heart. Um, when I was in the Anglican Church um, for several years, that was um, not something that could, could be done as easily. Um, we do empower... Um, all believers to be kings and priests. Um, we could do better, but it's, it's, a, it's a strength. But the Holy Spirit, um, I think sometimes, and I, know, and I know from my background, um, people that put their hands in the air when they were singing and moved around, well, they were dangerous, right? Because, you know, they're showing too much emotion, Con. Um, and these blinkers that I grew up with about the size of God and how he worked, um, part of how he helped remove them was when I actually went to all these different churches, um, go to City Life Church and 
Um, they don't sing the songs that I might like and um, their doctrinal statement says things about the gift of tongues that I think are blatantly wrong. Um, but yet I know one Christian man at that church who's just an absolute um, witness to Christ, full of grace, full of humility, full of love. Um, very gifted in the spirit, a real encourager, a real prayer. So God's often bigger than our small little um, boxes that we like to put him in. Um, it doesn't matter where I've gone in the world, different churches. Um, some have a, a band of 30 people, music instruments worth $100,000, um, smoke machines, lights. I think of Planet Shakers or Hill Songs that I've, I've been to. Um, some churches have no music at all and believe that's the way to go. Some churches... Seems in Africa, if you don't have an electric keyboard and a drum, you've got to be a very poor church. But I went to churches in Africa with uh, zero electricity uh, and barely a roof over their heads. So that introduction, um, how does it fit in the current series? I really just want to, uh, by God's grace, open up our minds and hearts to how the Spirit might be wanting to work here at Monty. Um, open, up our, open up our hearts to maybe be aware of the limitations that our own movement has, has now perhaps. In the early days, the Brethren Church was a group of radicals who were departing from the mainstream church because they didn't feel free to worship in spirit and truth in accordance with the Bible. Um, you had to pay for a seat at church when the Brethren Movement started. Um, if you didn't pay for your seat, you couldn't sit there. Um, some of the early founder, some of the early founders of the Brethren Church said that's not biblical. Um, they started meeting in homes. They still participated in normal services, but started meeting in homes and said, "Let's let's worship in reality. Let's let's worship the Saviour without the unbiblical baggage." Um, I pray that God's Spirit continue to work powerfully through our movement through this church to make that the case. So we've talked in John 15, uh, a few weeks back, uh, we talked about bearing fruit. Um, and I appreciate Josh's point uh, that the focus there is staying in the vine and not focusing on the fruit. But um, fruit to me speaks of Christ-like character and Christian service. The character, um, we all know Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, um, I believe that every gift of the Spirit should work through those things. If you see a, a gift of the Spirit being exercised without patience, you go, well, you're not exercising the gift of the, the Spirit because that's what the Spirit does. Those are the fruit of the Spirit, always. Um, if you're exercising a gift of the Spirit but there's no self-control in the exercise of that gift, you're not exercising a gift of the Spirit. Um, so they become the fundamental character required of all Christians. Some of us have certain gifts that others don't, but all Christians have these fruit of the Spirit and are called to have these fruit. Um, so it's a good anchor as we, as we jump into a bit more about what are these spiritual gifts and how might God want us here at Monty to actually 
but using these gifts to build each other up. How big is that on the screen? Not too bad. Um, Today I didn't want to go through all the gifts in detail. Um, We get four main lists in the New Testament, or four main areas I should say, that touch on spiritual gifts. Um, And I've put offices there as well in Ephesians 4. Um, doesn't specifically talk about gifts, but in the context of Ephesians 4, talking about the body, one body, uh, many parts, etc., um, Ephesians 4 seems a strong passage as well in the area of understanding gifts. You can see some commonality in the gifts. Um, so in Corinthians we read a certain number of gifts. There's other gifts there on the list that don't um, show up in Corinthians but do show up elsewhere. And I don't believe the, the intention with these gifts that Paul and Peter um, lay down is that they'll be comprehensive lists. You know, This is it. These are the gifts you can have and there is no other. You can say I've put some other gifts up there, celibacy. Um, Paul talks about that, a gift in in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, Poverty or martyrdom, as we read 1 Corinthians 13, we see um, Paul sees them as the potentially the ultimate expression of the spiritual gifts in action. Um, Hospitality, Romans 12 talks about gifts and at the end of the passage talks about hospitality. Hospitality. and oftentimes we can re-express other gifts we might think of in terms of some of these original gifts. You know, we might think about um, a missionary. Well, why is there no gift of a missionary? Well, um, there's the gift of the evangelist. There's a the gift of the teacher. Um, prayer. Maybe that's an expression of the gift of faith. Someone. Um, there's certainly those who are really committed and, and dedicated to prayer, and um, I see it as a as a huge service to the church. Uh, And we've touched on exorcism this morning already. Um, That's an interesting one. Not not listed as a gift, but obviously the the early apostles, um, everywhere they went, there were um, demons cast out. Is that an expression of of miracles? Um, Interestingly enough, in Corinth, uh, Corinth was a church where spiritual gifts were out of control. Corinth was an immature church. They took each other to court to sue each other. They had immorality that wasn't even in the secular world in their church. Um, They were very factional. Over here would be, um, we follow Paul. No, we follow Apollos. Actually, no, we follow Christ. And so they were all divided. They weren't getting along well. Um, The use of the gift of tongues was out of control, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, And prophecy as well. Um, Lots of people prophesying but not in order, not in turn, uh, not weighing what each other said. So Corinth is a good example of a dysfunctional church. Uh, And 1 Corinthians 12 uh, is the only example of the spiritual gifts where it actually gives us a list of the gift's importance. Uh, So in yellow up there we see um, Paul places importance on certain gifts over others. I love that in Corinthians 12 it has the whole argument of if everyone was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be, etc. So as you come to the end of the chapter and he, and he says which gifts are the most important, he's just been just finished saying, just because someone's not an eye doesn't mean they're less valuable. Just because someone's not a hand doesn't mean they're less valuable. Just because someone's um, less presentable and less upfront, well, we give them special honour. Um, the ones that are more presentable, Maybe they need no special treatment, no special mercy, no special honour. 
And then he comes to this list of gifts. Um, First apostles, laying the foundation stones um, authorised by God um, to reveal new truth to his people, um, authorised to build build the church, create, um, found new churches, etc. Then prophets. Um, my belief is a prophet speaks about revelation as well um, and, and new teaching, definitely necessary before the Bible was fully available. Um, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helping administration, tongues. Now tongues, um, I won't speak about too much today, but the first thing I want to note is, is that it's at the end of the list. Unfortunately, in the last hundred years in Christianity, um, the rise of the charismatic movement has meant um, tongues has been almost put up the top of the list. Talked about City Life Church before, uh, and I know God's got people there and he's working through that church by his spirit. Um, but in their doctrinal statement, they say all believers, when they experience baptism of the spirit, should expect to be able to speak in tongues. But yet we read in 1 Corinthians 12 at the end, do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? The obvious answer is no. Um, So there's been a lot of false teaching about tongues. There's been cherry-picking of key passages, um, misusing them, misinterpreting them. Um, I don't want to offend you this morning about... um, I don't know where your background come from and I don't, I don't, my goal is not to um, offend someone who's, who thinks they speak in tongues at home. I spoke to a um, brother here at Monty uh, in recent times and he had experienced, um, he was praying one day and then he started praying words he didn't understand, he didn't know what he was praying um, and he said, you know, how am I supposed to understand that? And this happened quite a long time ago. I said, well, if it's a spiritual gift, you've either been disobedient because you haven't been building the body with it. Um, but, and went through the passages in Acts which show the, the, the gift of tongues in action, known languages um, that have never been studied. I said, I don't think that's the gift of tongues. I'm not um, un- invalidating your experience, not saying it, it wasn't a genuine experience and not even saying that it wasn't a, a beneficial experience for your, for your faith and uh, he felt it brought him closer to Christ at the time still hasn't really understood it but is that the gift of tongues? No, I don't believe so um, That's all I'll say about tongues if you want to talk about tongues or other gifts in detail with me afterwards um, certainly welcome it But this morning I want to look at, rather than going into each gift, I want to spend, just touch on briefly um, the idea that some spiritual gifts have ceased. But then I want to look at, across these four passages, what what are the facts about spiritual gifts? There's a lot of fringe understanding of spiritual gifts that we might go this or that. Um, What are the real core truths about spiritual gifts? and how, how the Spirit might be wanting to work through them here at Monty, um, and then some time to apply that. So have some gifts stopped. The technical terms are cessationist or continuationist. Um, but has the, has the Spirit 
Does the Spirit still use all the gifts mentioned in these lists today or not? So we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, for example, It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This passage seems to indicate past tense, uh, that the, the, the signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit um, were primarily, um, particularly those miraculous gifts, were primarily about authenticating God's apostles um, as genuine, legitimate messengers of God. Um, the idea is you couldn't do, you couldn't raise someone from the dead unless God was working through you. Um, so we read in Second Corinthians 12, 12, for example, Paul, justifying himself against some false apostles, says um, to the Corinthian church, I'm a genuine apostle because the signs of a true apostle were performed amongst you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. He says, know that I'm an apostle, know that my message is from the Holy Spirit because of the signs and wonders and mighty works that have gone with it. There's another passage that's sometimes used to talk about the um, gift ceasing, 1 Corinthians 13.8 there, love never ends, as for prophecies they'll pass away, as for tongues they will cease, as for knowledge it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For me, I don't see that as a compelling passage that, um, about the cessation of gifts. It seems to be, to me, that Paul is talking about um, the perfect being being face-to-face, with Christ in, in his presence in heaven uh, and those gifts, none of those gifts being necessary. But to me there's compelling evidence to suggest that some of the gifts aren't um, no longer in action. Uh, and I've got the gifts listed on the side there. I've just been through Apostle. Do we expect people with apostolic power and authority still that reveal new truth of God to us? I believe no. Um, Prophets, miracles, healing, tongues, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, um, whether that's genuine, just normal wisdom and normal knowledge, um, the text seems to indicate that it's a revelatory kind of gift. What about healing? Another example. Uh, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. We could, we could use people with this sort of gift in the hospital system, couldn't we? Um, I don't believe there are individuals exercising this gift today. Um, but if I think about my own experience, um, recently friends of the Hendricks had a quad bike accident. She's in hospital. Um, in a coma, diagnosis looking pretty grim, even at one point leaking brain fluid. Um, We prayed for her. My kids prayed for her. Miraculously, she comes out of the coma. To me, God still heals. Absolutely. Is God a miraculous God who can heal? 100%. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um, I know the kids and I prayed for Sandy when she had a tongue surgery. And the surgeon's like, guys, this, this recovery is not supposed to be like this. Um, you've, 
you're blowing me away. This is supernatural. Um, secular surgeon who said, this doesn't match my X decades of experience. Answer to prayer, God healing. Um, my brother-in-law, serious brain injury, came off his bike um, for a couple of weeks um, in the rehab hospitals. Again, pretty grim diagnosis. Um, plenty of people in his situation aren't going to make it out. Um, kids prayed for him every night. We prayed for him, miraculously healed. Today you can't even see any difference to him from that brain trauma. Um, almost complete recovery as far as we can see. So God is a big God. We shouldn't limit him and say that God can't do this, God can do that. I would love God to use the gift of tongues in Bible translation. Um, There are some reports that it has happened from time to time, but the people that have gone out 20 years in a tribe to study the language, I'm sure they would love the ability to just speak it without learning it, Um, like the guys in Acts 2 and 10, 26 did. Um, But it seems like in certain times in history, God's declared, um, used miracles for certain purposes. When Moses... Um, led the people out of Egypt. Miracles. Elijah, miracles. But miracles haven't been an every day, every week um, experience. So I don't want to say too much more about the cessation of gifts. Um, There's a lot available, a lot of resources available. Um, Teachers that I respect on either camp, that some um, see the continuation of these gifts in different ways, Um, some that see they cease. I think it's important to to not box God in. Um, And as we see, the core truths about um, spiritual gifts are important to study. I just want to go through three. Um, The first is that every believer gets a gift. Um, If you're sitting here this morning thinking, I don't have much in the way of spiritual gifts, so-and-so is so much more confident, so-and-so is so much better at teaching, helping, administering, um, serving, encouraging Um, and I've been left pretty blank. The truth for you this morning uh, is that God's spiritual gifts come to all believers. You see that across all these passages, Romans, the grace given to each of us, Ephesians 4, grace was given to each one of us. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift and 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given. If I had asked you this morning, have you experienced God's grace tangibly uh, recently? Have you experienced it physically? You'd probably go, oh, I can't really think of anything that jumps out. But yet when you took communion, um, you drank from a cup which you didn't have to fill, you ate bread which you didn't have to chop, you come into the church, um, the lights are on because someone's paid the bill. Um, it's been cleaned up because there's people that stay here every week um, for hours after church is finished and the rest of us are eating lunch to, to clean up and prepare for playgroup. Um, the other thing that's really clear through this, apart from the fact that each one of us has a gift, um, is that it appears to me that God's grace working in us produces the fruit of the Spirit. God's grace working through us are the spiritual gifts. So our service to each other, 
our love for each other, is the primary way that God makes his grace clear. Pat talked about the funeral and how much he'd been blessed by people exercising their their gifts um, and serving and ministering to him. This is God's grace at work. So when you go out and there's morning tea there, you're you're on the receiving end of someone who's using their gift of serving, um, potentially, and say, offer up a prayer to God and say, thank you, God, for your grace. I've just been on the receiving end of your grace. Um, And similarly, I think, seeing that um, God's grace works through these gifts, just look at the word grace in all those passages, according to the grace given to each of us. But grace was given to each of us. Um, Serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And of course, the very word in 1 Corinthians 12 that um, is used for gift is the Greek, a Greek word that basically means grace gift. Um, so grace is embedded in 1 Corinthians 12 about um, a dozen times. So the first truth about spiritual gifts. Um, we all have a gift. Some of us are more aware than others of whether, what our gifts might be, but we've all got one. Another common theme in these passages, a core truth about spiritual gifts. Gifts are for others, not ourselves. One of the um, great objections I have against the use of the, or, or the idea that the, the gift of tongues is um, potentially now a, a personal prayer language is that it completely goes against the New Testament teaching about spiritual gifts being all about other focus, not about our own um, growth. But we read in 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, so with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, let all things be done for building up. Or in the other passages, Ephesians 4, uh, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Or 1 Peter 4, uh, as you've received your gift, use it to serve one another. So when we identify these these spiritual gifts, um, when we understand how we can love and serve others, it's good to remember the focus of the Holy Spirit's work in us is outward focus to others. Um, it's to use whatever he's given us um, to love and serve those in, our, those in our church. Finally, uh, one common theme that comes through in all these passages is the all-importance of love. Ephesians 4, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow in love as each part does its work. The body of Christ won't grow effectively unless each part does its work in love. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Uh, And in the gifts passage in, in 1 Peter, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And... Spiritual gifts in Corinth weren't being done well. 
Um, They were a very gifted church, it says, but they weren't loving each other well. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is is really the the most comprehensive New Testament passage about gifts and the use and so on. Uh, In the middle we have this passage at the end of chapter 12. We read, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And Paul goes on to speak. Um, He says, even if I could speak with all the languages of men and even speak like the same language that angels use, if I didn't have love, just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So the gift of prophecy perhaps. Um, If I had that gift of prophecy, could fathom all mysteries and knowledge. Or maybe I had the gift of faith so that I could just tell Mount Everest, dump yourself in the sea. Um, But do not have love, I am nothing. Maybe I've got the gift of giving. If I give all I possess to the poor, even give over my body to hardship that I may boast. But do not have love, I gain nothing. And Paul's point here is that all those spiritual gifts, they've got to be in perspective. Um, They've got to be restrained by love. Um, We talked about the spiritual gifts being exercised through the fruit of the Spirit, particularly in all these passages, love seems to be the overriding fruit of the Spirit that is um, what we're called to do as we exercise um, these gifts. So a gift for everyone, um, all gifts to be exercised in love. And that all gifts are to build up the church. Spend a little bit of time now thinking about um, what this means for us at Monty. Some questions for you to take away and reflect on. Um, are you loving us with your gifts? As I looked around this morning, I was um, really pleased to, as I looked at um, each each face in the congregation, to just see so many um, people are loving and serving at Monty. Um, do you, you're holding anything back on us? I don't know. I don't know um, what the Spirit's doing in your life in terms of his gifting and what he's given you. Um, we'll be a healthy body if every part, the eye, the hand, the muscle, the hair, every bit does its work. Um, I don't know where you fit into that, but I just offer you every gift I've got. They're, they're yours for your blessing and benefit as much as I can give them. Um, are you aware of the Spirit's work of grace? Do you, do you realise that allowing people to exercise their spiritual gifts with you um, is a way that you can allow them to provide God's grace to you. Um, So being open to hospitality, being open to encouragement, making opportunities to share um, with other people to get their encouragement. Um, Do we take those opportunities to see the spirit at work? And as a church we're thinking about um, potential for a a paid um, pastoral resource? Do we see a pastor as um, super gifted, has got all the gifts, is going to be the magic glue that holds the body together and makes us all strong? I hope not. Um, The healthy body is when everyone in the congregation is using their gifts to love and serve each other. A weak congregation is when you've got Superman um, 
doing all the work and everyone else sitting back and enjoying the show. Um, that's not a church. More like a theatre. Um, so as we, as we think about a senior pastor um, joining, joining a congregation, let's be in prayer that um, God will provide someone that complements our existing gifts, our existing strengths, um, maybe helps us with some of our existing weaknesses, um, but another member of the body just like us called to give their time and gifts uh, to love and serve. We talked about the strengths and weaknesses of, of our movement. Um, I pray we'll be open to the Spirit. I pray that um, we won't be known as a church that is afraid of the Spirit, afraid of emotion, afraid of um, change, but that will be a congregation that actually embraces the Spirit and says, come and do your work. We're here, we're available. Whatever you give us, we will use faithfully. Um, we will love and serve each other. Um, my experience of all those different churches, there's a lot of things that don't make a healthy church. Music, massive program or little program doesn't, isn't a fundamental thing of healthy church. Um, there's lots of fringe things that we can say, oh, that would make a church better. But actually, loving each other, allowing the Holy Spirit to do his practical work through each person, allowing people to use their gifts, uh, thanks, giving thanksgiving for other people's gifts, appreciating, appreciating each other, um, not being in conflict and divisive, but working together with all the gifts that the Spirit's given us. Let me pray now that um, God will help us to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you that your spirit um, is all-powerful and that it indwells uh, every believer's heart. You haven't left your um, church weak or floundering, Father, but you've given us the full power of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, open our theology to understanding more about your spirit, Father understanding more about how your grace works through us as a community. Lord, I pray we wouldn't uh, have blinkers on or be biased to what the Holy Spirit wants to do here at Monty. We want to have your heart for the lost. As a church, we want to reach out that those who don't know you can come and join the body uh, and that we can experience their gifts, their grace. Um, as you pour, their, pour your grace through each one of us to each other. I pray, Lord, that you would protect us against um, the fruit of darkness, infighting, gossip, immorality, and, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit so that we, um, each one of us experiences the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We've all got room to grow there, Lord. I speak for myself, but I'm, uh, I know I speak for everyone else as well, Lord, that um, we don't want to hold your spirit back. We don't want to be the, the roadblock. So please, work powerfully through us. Tear down any artificial, unbiblical reservations, fear of man, love of tradition rather than love of the word. 
protect us and safeguard us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.